Hello everyone, this is number three of Man Up, the men's mental health podcast. My name is Andy Richardson and sitting next to me is the wonderful Tommy Dankar. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back everyone. Hope you're all well. So um, in time-honoured tradition, um, how have you been, sir? Absolutely fantastic, to be fair. Um, I had a nice little holiday away, went to Marrakesh with a wife, no kids. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. Amazing. Didn't even miss them. No, I did, I did really. Uh, but yeah, had a really nice break. Back to work, back to the grind, you know, the hustle and bustle of uh, London life. But uh, yeah, all is good, my friend. All is good. What about yourself? Yeah, I've been I've been busy. I'm back at college, so doing lots of workshops, doing some studio stuff, which is good, and 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 feeling quite good as well. You know, doing a bit of exercise. It's it's nice this time of the year when the sun, the, you get the autumn leaves and the autumn sun, and we've had some really good weather days. You know, so it's not. I haven't been. I've been feeling sort of energized by good. the by the autumn. So. Uh, we we have to um, listeners. We do have to ask each other how we are because uh, that's what it's all about, Mate, isn't it? This is a, you know this is part of the you know this is part of the process. It's all well and good, you know, waffling on and whatnot. But the the key thing is, is how we are, how we are, how we're doing, how we're staying good. Yeah, and you know these yeah these are the things. So, like I said, um, I had a really good time. Great holiday was great. Lots of like meditation, yoga, all that sort of bits and pieces. Yeah. Trying to keep my head above water and uh, feeling really good, feeling very good. Oh, that that that's 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 good to know. And um, yeah, so so uh, the the other thing that we're going to try and make a sort of regular thing is is um, looking at mental health in the news, and it's because it seems like it's in the news every week. So. This week we have had um, a number of things. Um, there's well, it's a centenary of the of the First World War, so there's a lot of talk about um, post-traumatic stress yeah. uh, amongst the, f- the forces and how that is being supported. Yep. Um, there's been a, a thing in the uh, in the news about um, two-year-olds uh, looking at phones and how that's affecting their mental health. That's a worrying one for me. You having two young kids, you know? Do you let do you let them look at the phone or? Uh, my eldest is really keen. He wants to be on the phone all the time. His cousins are on the phones. They've got video game stuff. So we try and limit it. You know, weekend, you can have a little go. But the first thing he'll try and do is snatch a phone from mummy or dad when we walk in the house. Um, the youngest one, not so much. He likes YouTube, cartoons, bits and pieces. But yeah, I mean, reading that, I mean, you switched me on to that one. So I had a quick read of it. And I was like, flipping heck. It's so many questions man so many questions and it is quite concerning it really is quite concerning yeah yeah well i don't have any um two-year-olds i mean frankly i don't even know if my bits work i don't even know if i could have any um two-year-old um but (laughs) fingers crossed me you might be lucky but but, but you never yeah you never know but um so i don't have that that burden of responsibility um so um but it's—I mean, I, if I had kids, I, I mean, I would try and like limit the amount of screen time. I mm. think, but I do know that a busy parent, like an iPad or something, is 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 a godsend. It, it, do you know what? It is a godsend. And I think w- when I found out that we were having kids, my wife and I we were like, "Oh, we're going to be the parent that is out every day, doesn't let them use you know use machines. They're out doing health activity, blah blah." And you know, sometimes, man, it's like in the real world, give the kid a fucking iPad. Just shut him up. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that, that's that's real talk. That's real talk, you know. And any parent that does do that, I'm not judging you at all. I respect you. You want to go and have some dinner, iPad or your phone and a pair of earphones. Yeah. Key. I think the important thing is not to do it all the time. And and like maybe like the first thing that they see in the morning and the last thing at night. So maybe limit the amount of time. But I I, I hear you. I mean, when I see parents with screaming kids. You know, I think, God, how do you, you know, how do you put up with that? And yeah, maybe the iP- iPad is is the way yeah. forward. For Look, that. You can't argue with science. I don't think you can argue with science. But, I, th- I, you know, I truly believe, like you said it, you touched on it, and it's everything in moderation. Yeah. You know, everything in moderation. Yeah. If yeah. your kid is sitting on a screen all day, every day, you're not having that sort of, you know, one-on-one, you know, socializing, it's going to have an effect. You I mean, you see teenagers on their video games and stuff like that, and you know, they get engrossed in this game and they just lose concepts of reality. It's, it's you know, history has already shown us it's happened. You see, like, massacres, kids that become recluses in the video games. It's, yeah, it, the warning signs are there. Yeah, yeah. And and um, 
and yeah, the, the the last thing is something I don't know a lot about, but again, you're you're quite into into this. Um, so Tyson Fury, um, he's a uh, a big um espouser of 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 talking about his own problems with mm. mental health, and 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 in a world of sport like boxing, which I would have thought would be quite sort of macho, yeah. he's opened a lot of doors, and and this week he's um so his next opponent is Deontay Wilder, is that Deontay how you say Wilder for the WBC? Yeah, and and yeah. and so Deontay Wilder has mocked him, and and he said that um, Tyson Fury uses his uh, poor mental health as a way of getting publicity, yeah. which, um, yeah. I mean, they're still in a fight and then there's just been a, a spiteful little bleep. And um, yeah. You can swear on here. I know, I know. Come on, say I'm it. Just, Go on, say it's, what you're going to say. It's just a spiteful little bitch. Like, I oh, thought it was a horrible oh, thing to say. I thought you were going to say something like... No, mm. no, no, no. Anyway. I'm, I'm well behaved. I'm self-edited. Good. But, um, you know, when you we spoke about this, like, before we came in to do this recording, this podcast, and... When you mentioned it, I was like, I really respect what Tyson Fury has done. You know, the fact he has come out, he has said what he said. And um, it's qu it's quite freaky because, you know, you look at somebody who excels in their field, someone who's spent a lifetime dedicated to becoming the, you know, the, the, the top dog, the king of their craft. And he's done that. And he went to Germany and fought the man, beat Klitschko. And... He won. He did what, you know, nobody thought he could do. But after that, you, you know, you watched the wheels come off. It was it was really sad. He won. There was no fanfare for him. I, and, you know, I've said this before when he won. When he came back to England, it was everyone just sort of, there was like no love almost. I think like Anthony Joshua is a golden child. He wins the belts. Everyone's loving him because he's, he is the golden child. Like Tyson Fury. He's a traveller. I feel there's a lot of stigma against him. People are bringing up the things he said, and he said some stupid things. Don't get me wrong, I'm not condoning anything that he said. But the reality of it is, is I think the wheels were going to fall off, and they fell off in spectacular fashion. And, you know, it was in the public eye for everyone to see. You know, he couldn't say anything or do anything right. Everyone was, like, scrutinising him. And is that, you know, when you get to the top, you, you're a sitting duck, aren't you? You're a sitting duck. and I think that that was like absolutely one of those you build somebody up to knock them down. Yeah. And yeah. So no wonder the poor guy went off off the rails. Yeah. I mean, he's always had problems with sort of, um, as far as I know, you know, al al alcohol and, and substance abuse and, and things like that. But it's, it's, you know, I, I, I just think, um, I, I mean, I'm not a massive fan of Tyson Fury. I'm, I don't really know that much about boxing, but I just think I, I admire his, his honesty, you know, Without a doubt. Yeah. So anyway, so we've 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 touched on a little bit of, with the news, but that is um, really that pales into comparison um, compared to um, the treat that we have coming up for you right now. Because sitting patiently in the room, listening to us waffle on like <laughs> silently. Can I just say something? Go on. Normally, we'd give this a lot more airtime the topics that we discuss, but we've been really rushing it because. <laughs> We're like, we're like two little school kids. Well, he, was getting, like, he looked like he was getting bored there for a minute there. I could see him. I could see him. Listen, listen. Um, okay, look, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you take the over here, Andy, because I think this is you. Well, I'm very excited. Well, we are privileged to have our our first guest on 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 the podcast. Oh, the G word. Yeah, and it's um it's not any guest. It's uh it's a good friend of mine actually. I've known I've known him for a while, but he's a um you would have known him originally from. Um, the Artful Dodger singing uh, Please Don't Turn Me On. Uh, you would have also more recently uh, known him as um, the semi-finalist and uh, golden buzzer winner from uh, Brit Britain's Got Talent in 2018. Um, he is one of the best soul singers we have here in the UK. Um, but you might ask yourself, okay, he's an amazing singer. He's one of the best talents we've got, but why do we have him here? But he's also got a story which relates to this um, podcast. Um, he's had a uh, his own battles with uh, with mental health, like we all have in this room. So we're all friends here together. So he's here to um, talk us, uh, to us a little bit about that and about um, his journey. So um, The suspense is killing me. <laughs> <laughs> so Lifford, how are you? Hello. 
Hey. That was a, that was a serious intro. My God. Hello. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's lovely to be here. And uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's do this, man. I'm I'm good. How are you guys? Wow. Well, we're amazing. We're as you can tell, really excited to have our first guest in. So oh, thank wow. you for doing that for us. It's amazing. No, it's an yeah. absolute pleasure. When uh, when Andy called me up and explained what this was about, man, I, I had to uh, I had to make sure I was present and a part of this, man. Nice. So thank you. So, so tell us, Lifford, let's let's get into it now. So, so tell us a, um, a little bit about your um, your background, first of all. So so um, your your uh, your career, your musical career. Um, OK. Oh, gosh. OK. So I've been singing for uh, about 25 years, I guess. Um, it started at school. Uh, you know, you sing at end of year performances and, and, and I kind of was on stage and I kind of uh, got a lovely response from people generally and I thought okay mm, I quite like the feel quite like this feeling you know singing and dancing and doing that kind of thing so I left uh, school um and I kind of yeah I, I was pushy I, I kind of just started asking people questions I knew nothing about the industry and how to do it but I knew that you made songs in studios so I would walk around and just ask people do you know anyone with a studio <laughs> do you know anyone that does music do you know and, and eventually I, I started hitting up on people and yeah, and I started cutting my my demos, and um, and I suppose my first serious um, situation was being signed to Warner Brothers with a boy group in the nineties called Public Demand, and we were a five piece boy band: um, Jerry Curl, to boot, you know, Joe to see boots, baggy trousers, wow, wow, vests, and 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 yeah, you know, gold teeth and all and all the hoo ha. And and we we yeah we were signed <clears throat> around the time that Seal was making his first album. We were sort of in and around the same same place, and uh, yeah, we would tour and support people like Gabrielle and East Seventeen. Do you remember East Seventeen? Well, listen, we're showing. Do you know? I'm glad you said that because a few times <laughs> we've shown our age, but yes, we do remember East Seventeen. We do remember Gabrielle. Listen, yeah. like I'm the oldest here, so don't let's talk about age. <laughs> All right, okay, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, so that that was my first serious thing, and then, as you mentioned, the uh, Artful Dodger situation. Um, that, that was that was lovely. That was like three years of hectic madness tvs radio you know touring yeah clubs drink <sighs> madness uh yeah and so and then and then here we are sort of 18 years later putting myself back in the uh back in the thing back in the business again and just just having another go just having some fun though this time having a lot more fun so 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 okay so 18 years later so so you've had there's a there's a, a, there's big, a gap there's a big there's a gap hole. i was gonna say i know a lot of singers take some time out but what was it you were out with the mongolian monks you know trying to get the <laughs> seminal second album right what was going on talk to us um okay so off the back of the artful dodger song um please don't turn me on i got a solo deal with um FFRR Records, which were a mm -hmm. subsidiary of Warners. Yeah. Um, I had AR team, I had management, I had, you know, the advance. You know, I was going to Miami, I was going to LA, Sweden, Switzerland, Denmark to make songs, um, which was pretty awesome. But I, I guess sort of two thirds of the way through the album process, I just I began to I don't know. I things just began to unravel. I, I guess I I just found the the pressure uh, a lot to deal with. Um, some of it was, I think, mental, you know, in my head, but a lot of it was actually practical. Just not really understanding the business and and expecting mm. to just sort of be thrown into this situation and, and make all the choices, all the right choices. I found that quite overwhelming. Um, and um, it was a bit like a spiral, sort of. The more choices I had to make, the more I worried, um, and the mm. more I became a recluse. Eventually, I, I was, I guess, I was quite difficult to deal with, and and I wasn't leading. You know what I mean? I was kind of just being thrown around. Uh, try this, try that, try the other, and I, and I was very aware of not being in control. And the more I was aware of not being in control, the harder things became and yeah and eventually i 
things didn't work out. And then, uh, then yeah, then I just shut the door. <laughs> I shut the door for about for about ten years. I changed my number three times so people couldn't contact me. And but in that time, though, I did manage to keep a hold of my wife and kids. I got married, raised some children, but I um, yeah, I went through the the darkest times of my life in that period. Did your um, <clears throat> what happened with the record company? Did were they quite understanding, or did they did it did in the end? Did they did they just drop you, or well, they just thought I was mad, I guess. And and I'm looking back on it, I probably was. You know, I I just I was I was just unraveling. So I was I was temperamental, and um, I wanted everything to be brilliant and work out. But at the same time, I didn't know how to make it happen. So, for example, I go into meetings and uh, and I either sit there in silence and just listen while the A&R man and the manager were there trying to help me sort everything out or I'd be fucking screaming my head off just just trying to like why is this not happening I want this and I want that or the other or the other thing worse of all would be not fucking turning up at all because I couldn't bring myself to leave the house uh, but not really knowing why you know what I mean? That was sort of anxiety and depression and, and stuff sort of kicking in. But but back then, you know, I didn't didn't know what the frig it was. My missus didn't know. So yeah, so it's it's it's, it's a tough situation knowing that everything that you've ever wanted was offered to you, and then you not not knowing what the fuck to do with it, man. Mm. So yeah, it was it was a tough time. How old were you when um you said obviously when you mentioned Arthur Dodger? You said, you know, there's a lot of touring, clubs, if that, a lot of drinking. Then you got signed to the sub-label. How old were you at the time? I was in my mid-20s. So the Artful Dodgers stuff, I was 25. My stage age was 21. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what a joke. Ser <laughs> Looking back. You know. Seriously, yeah. yeah. I, remember, I remember being on um, Trevor Nelson had a uh, MTV bass thing. I don't know if you remember a channel called MTV bass. Um, but yeah. he introduced me. Artful Dodger, and this is the brand new vocalist, um, this 21-year-old from South London. And I, I what? I'm not. And I was kind of like, <laughs> that's not me, bitch. Um, but yeah, they decided that it would be more appealing. Uh, there's one or two others. Gosh, I'm not going to say it because I'll get me in trouble. But there's quite a few around that time who had stage ages, still have them with brand new albums and tours um, on the same album. <clears throat> So when, when did you like have a um an inkling that something was wrong? I mean, because at that age, you know, you're invincible. You feel like you're invincible. And because um, for, for me, the first time the, the wheels went off for me was was in my sort of mid 20s. Um, and it was when I, I I've sort of said is when I before it's when I first realized that I don't have full control of my my mind, you know. And but was there a moment like that for you when you when you when you just thought I'm losing it I'm you know and you say anxiety and depression maybe you're saying that now in hindsight but at the time what were you thinking? Um, I, it's it's hard it's hard when you when you're dealing with with uh, that kind of thing anxiety and depression especially if you're self medicating and you're and you're, you're smoking weed and you're drinking to kind of have a specific moment because it all becomes a bit of a blur and a mishmash of of loads of different things. And looking back on it, there were probably loads of signs which I didn't I didn't notice because I was high or drunk. I was I was definitely drinking too much. Um, That's probably a warning sign, you know, having a spliff and a whiskey for breakfast instead of some Cheerios. Yeah. <laughs> that might have been one. Um, but I'm I, I'd say one of the main um things times were when when i i couldn't leave the house i couldn't i couldn't opening the door became really scary for me um uh, my wife would encourage me even just to go to the door i'd walk past the front door from the dining room into the living room but and sometimes peer outside the uh, net curtains but actually going out there and doing stuff became really a really scary thing and I guess I realised, we all realised that there was something quite serious going on when it, you know, that kind of thing went on for months at a time. 
And at that time, that realization when you know this was all happening, um, what was this? What steps did you take? You know, did your wife? You said your wife's been really supportive. Did she encourage you to get help? Did you get medical help? Did you, you know, what was the process? Well, again, it's 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 all a bit of a blur, and we were kind of in the same boat together. So it wasn't. It was different back then, and then we're just talking about ten years ago. But it's amazing how much things have changed, and how much more awareness there 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 is out there now, yeah. and people talking thanks to things like this and celebrities coming forward and, and being open about it. But back then, th- there just wasn't that knowledge out there. You know, it, it was it was specified. <laughs> it was it was a specialist uh, thing. You know, you'd you'd go somewhere, and then you'd ask a question. By a special with a specialist, a doctor, whatever, then they'd feed you some information. So for quite a long time, we were on our own, um, and uh, I'm guessing the wife just thought I probably was a was a weed smoking drunk that was just just <laughs> had issues. That was a bit of a lazy ass that wouldn't go out and get a job and, and earn some money. But the reality was I couldn't. I, I didn't know how to, and it scared the shite out of me. So there was that that sort of normal battle. We had two young children. She was trying trying her best to raise them, probably eighty percent at the time without me because I was locked in the bedroom smoking most of the time. So help, yeah, to a certain extent, but she had to help herself and and, and look after the kids. So there was there was a lot of internal war going on between us, which made which went on for years, which which made it difficult to to even get to that point of going out and talking to someone. So, okay, I'm going to stick my psychotherapist, psychoanalyst hat on for a second. Um, what do you put it down to, this, this, you sort of getting into that point of being in sort of poor mental health? Do you put it down to the fact that you were thrust into this limelight, you know, with all the trappings of stardom at a very early age um and or do you put it down to earlier on i mean you you you're quite welcome to say i don't want to talk about it um but what 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 were, what were your early years like do you put it down to something you know cuz like for me for for me this stuff that happened in my very early childhood that i put down my behavior my behavior now to and, and same with tommy um what what was it what were the early years like for you yeah same 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 kind of thing i learned i learned habits and i learned I learned a lot of stuff when I was a young kid, a lot of stuff that, um, yeah, I, I went through a difficult childhood with uh, my mother and my father, particularly my father, um, which led me to have an addictive nature. I, I, I reckon I became addicted to food. I seeked food for comfort probably when I was at primary school. I reckon I've been suffering from depression from about four, five, six years old, looking back on it now. Um, I've been dealing with it my yeah, my whole my whole life. And that stemmed from difficulties at home. Stuff which I haven't spoken about in public and, and, and now is probably not not the uh, not the time to do it, but I will one day. But um but yeah that definitely played a part. And then what what was happening around my mid to late twenties was me starting to remember things that happened in my childhood that I'd put a lid on. Um, so, yes, I was I was very successful career-wise. I'd just had a number four hit in the charts. People knew my name. People stopped me for pictures and autographs. Yes, I had, I had two young children and a good woman by my side. So, in theory, I was a su- successful family man. Um, but... Yeah, I was unraveling by by the day um, from not dealing with issues from the past and then having the issues and pressures of present to deal with two young children, a woman uh, and uh, a record label wanted me to make the best album of my life. So I think it was a combination of uh, different things that that led to the unraveling. So I can only imagine because, I mean, you know, and you've discussed this before, even without having a record deal, I've got two young children, and we spoke about how that that brings it in itself a pressure to kind of right. We need to step it up, raise the game. You know, we've got to provide for these two dependents. And when you're going through stuff, and you know, my 
self-defense mechanism was shutting down, you know, and I wasn't communicating with my wife. And you mentioned it yourself. Your wife thought you didn't care. You were just the, you know, you didn't want to get a job. You didn't want to do this. And I think it's quite, you know, I'm, you're our first guest, but already I can see some patterns forming, you know. But it is, again, it's the communication and it's the trying to sort of hold it together, trying to find that, all right, look, let's talk about this. This is where it is. This is what's happening. And for me, the doors that that opened and the bridges that it helped to rebuild with my wife and helped me to get on a path of trying to get myself together, it's been amazing. So I fully hear what you're saying, man. And like, my gosh, it, it rings home, man. Rings good, home. good. No, well, this is why things like this are really important because it, it's good to talk about um, your your experiences. And, but, but you know, going back to what you said about just being in that time, being with two young children, it's really hard to see see clearly, man, because you've got you've got so much to deal with. And, and especially if, you know, most of us men, you know, we are, despite equalities and all the rest of it, la, 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 we know when we're fucking up. We know when we're failing. We know when, especially when we have women or we have career, or we just have ourselves or just ambitions and things we want to achieve for ourselves. We know when we're not doing it and it's not happening. But quite often with mental illness, you, you just feel pretty damn helpless and alone and you just don't know how to, uh, how to, how to make it happen. And uh, I know personally, I just got bored and fed up with my own voice. I would occasionally talk to the missus about it. But, you know, day in, day out, saying that you feel like shit, you don't know what's wrong, I don't mm. know what's wrong with me, I can't go out, but I don't know why. I can't smile, I'm not happy, and I don't know why. I, I love you, but also I'm just incredibly angry, but I don't know why. There's only so many times you can say that yeah. without just getting annoyed with your own damn self. So eventually you do shut down because you can't help yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it, you know, it, it can be a frustrating time. So so you had many years of, of this darkness um, and you had some addictions as well, which you've spoken about. Um, but you got to the point, I mean, I know through knowing you, I know that you got to the point where you, and, then, and I know this was a massive thing for you, you gave up drinking, which was like a, you know, you're talking about self-medication. That was, that was a massive thing to do, you know. So what was it, the point in your life? Was there like a real low or something? What was the point where you actually said, right, this is it. I'm going to give up drinking and I'm going to, because for me, I can see the pattern in your life of from, from giving up drinking to going to, to all the success that you've had in, in, in the last couple of years. So that was, was that, was that like the start of it? And um, how did you get to that point where I'm saying, right, I need to turn my life around? Mm -hmm. Well, you're, you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. Drinking takes a lot of, takes a lot of time. You have to invest a lot of time and energy into <laughs> drinking. And man. money. And money. is it's true. It's <laughs> a lot. And especially as you get older, you, you have a bender at weekends, Saturday and Sunday. You're only, you're only good again on, on Thursday, you know, Wednesday night. <laughs> but so then guess, guess what? It's Friday the next day. And then, you know, uh. so you have, a, you have a day, a day and a half out of a week of, of good self. You know what I mean? And, and that's, and you, can, you, can, you can do years of that. So... Yeah, it it just took up a lot of time, and I just found that I didn't have a lot of time for my family and and and, and stuff I wanted to do. I was in my early thirties, and I thought, shit, man, I'm 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 getting really fat. Uh, my kids are growing up. Um, they keep asking me if I'm tired because my eyes were red all the time from smoking. Um, and there and there was one night. There was one night actually. I was out with my boy. Um, still still my boy. Um, but we were, we were drinking and, um, we, we, this is probably three, four years of doing it. When you say out. your boy, not your son, you mean your, your friend? No, my friend. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Boy. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were talking about your kids. Yeah. No, no, no. I was out drinking. He still was my boy. Yeah. Yeah. He was out drinking. Yeah. He still loves me. Right. <laughs> no, I've got, I've got two daughters. Um, right. but no, I was out with my friend and, um, we were like, right, we're going to get it tonight. We're going to have some fun. Yeah, this place opens at this time, so we're going to go down there. And then, oh, there's this other place, so we'll rock up there about 2 a.m. And then I was in this first place, and I was just walking around, and it was sort of like the same old faces. 
And I was just stopped. We started on the drink, you know. We we started on the the beers. He has cider, I have beer, and then we would get the uh, you know get the the bourbon whiskies. Well, it's not BBC. I can say the JDs and Cokes we're on, and we do the shots. Uh, we do the tequila and the zambukas and and this particular night, man. I don't know. I don't know if I had a super sized kebab or something, but I just I wasn't getting drunk. I wasn't getting drunk and. Just we kept spending more money, you know, in these kind of places for the two of us and the kind of drinks we'd have. We'd have a, a long drink and a short drink. That would be every time. So that'd be four drinks between the two of us. Mm. So you're spending twenty odd pounds uh, per per go. And I wasn't, I wasn't getting drunk. I was just sort of thinking, okay, this is okay, cool. But I'm not drunk. And I remember by the end of the night, just feeling like I had poured half a gallon of petrol into my body i genuinely honestly felt like i'd pickled my organs it was a very strange sensation i wasn't drunk but i could feel all the alcohol inside my system and it did not feel good nothing about that night felt good the alcohol wasn't good the music was shit and i just thought what the fuck am i doing i'm like about 70 quid down and i feel awful look at the state of my body look at my skin and I just said to my boy and my mate, my friend, not my son, I said, I'm going home, man, I'm going home. And then the usual thing, I'd bang on the door because I wouldn't be able to find my keys. I'd wake my wife up at four in the morning. She'd come down again, you know, and she'd be peed off with me and I'd probably sit on the sofa till 6 a.m. holding my head. And then I'd go to sleep, wake up in the middle of the afternoon. And I just thought, oh, God doing this for four years is there anything else i want to do with my life you know is there anything else you want to achieve apart from just messing up your body uh, and your mind and and that was that was a turning point for me and i and i, and I thought ah, there's got to be something else what else do you want to do what else do you want to do is there stuff you want to achieve yeah you've never made an album that'd be a good idea you don't go out with your kids anymore that would be nice your wife's always pissed off with you because you're drunk and you smell a drink. She doesn't want to kiss you because you always stink. Could work on that a little bit. Sorry, I'm laughing. I don't know what, yeah. It's <laughs> true. And um, oh, yeah, she's threatened. She was threatened to leave me as well. Right. Um, so oh, drink, JB. Didn't enjoy you last night. And then you got your wife and your kids on that side. And I knew, I knew, I just knew I'd have to make a choice. I knew that I couldn't continue, you know what I mean? This family and the alcohol. And I just thought, what, 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 what? There's no, there's no brainer. I need to stop this. I need to make a change. And that was it. Lunchtime. And so, so you've got, you got to that. And so what, um, cause I, cause I really, I, I, I'm sure the listeners would like to hear about your um, the process of the Britain's Got Talent auditions and stuff like that. But you know, I because I know you and I saw you on TV, especially the the semi final. Uh, you, you know, and for, I know that you suffer from anxiety and 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 stuff like that. And I was just thinking, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. What the hell is that man thinking? Like, you know, he must be, oh, no. he must be shitting it because I, because, because uh. you're like me, because I, you know, and, and you're a performer as well. I mean, I, I love performing, but when you've got like anxiety, there's no correlation to to the, what you're, you know, what you love and what and to what's happening with your body and stuff, and it, and it all goes out of kilter. So, how did you let let okay, let's 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 rewind a bit. Let's go to you know you auditioning. What made you audition for that? And you know, and what what how were you looking after yourself because you knew that you're gonna have this public scrutiny, yeah, and yeah. that was gonna be tough for you physically and mentally. So, how did you sort of arm yourself for that? How did you put put yourself through it? Well, so if we go back a couple of years when I met this brilliant guy. Well, I got back in touch with this brilliant guy called Tim Chauvin, who we started making music together again. Um, so this is maybe three years, four years after not drinking. I, I started to, yeah, my wife would um, sleep in the bed with me again, which was nice. And my eyes weren't so blurry anymore and red bloodshot, which was nice. And I was just able to do, I was back out singing again with a with a covers band. Um, sort of integrating myself because you have to remember that time as well I wasn't really seeing very many people unless I was drunk um, that, that made it okay I, I was able to do it then 
but I was back out working again with a covers band and stuff. And midway through that, I got a call from this guy called Tim Chauvin, uh, who wanted to make music with me again. So we started doing some songs. Um, and then you forward on a year later and I got, <clears throat> I got scouted by, um, Britain's Got Talent. I got a call. I remember I was on my way to a covers gig. It was a Monday night. I remember it. I remember it so, so well. Because the phone fucking kept cutting out, in and out. Um, and I initially thought this woman called Emma, she called me up. Um, I don't know where she got my number from, but she was like, I read your, I read your blog. I read your, um, your thing on, on um, depression and anxiety. Because I, I did a, I did a piece connected with mind about five years prior probably when I was feeling quite desperate and I didn't quite know what was going on I just thought it might be good for me just to talk about it when I I wrote to them and they put it up on their website and and it, it circulated and, and stuff so she was like I love that I love that well look we're making a tv show um and you know I'd love for you to tell your story I think it'd be really helpful for for people to you know, to know, uh, you know, what you've been through because you've had your success. Well, gosh, by, by the way, I love your voice. Thank you. Hello, hello, hello. Okay, cut out, call back. And then she was like, I guess you want to know what the TV show is. I'm like, yeah, well, it sounds like you work for the BBC. So like, I'm guessing it's some sort of documentary. She was like, um, no, no, actually, I work for ITV and the show's Britain's Got Talent. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> like oh why'd you have to say that i was sold it was brilliant and i thought it was gonna be gonna feature me in his image she's like look take some time it's nearly christmas talk it over with your family and come back to me in january because we already started auditions you'd be one of the last ones to audition so i immediately hung up um i messaged my wife i said i've just been approached by britain's got talent to do the next series question mark question mark and then um send and then she came straight back just saying it's time to tell your story wow um and i knew i knew i knew i knew i knew was the right thing to do it wasn't it wasn't honestly it wasn't i wasn't even thinking about me at that point i was thinking about the story and yes this woman had kind of weaved her way into my you know into my energy my spirit by selling it as a story but i thought you know what it is it is it will be a story i will be able to talk about this and and it will be therapeutic uh, for me and god i may be able to help someone at the same time i may be able to connect some dots for some people and for people not to feel like i did eight ten years prior when i felt so desperate there might be someone else some young couple out there in a relationship with two kids there might be some man not being able to go out and, and earn a living and feeling sh pretty shit about it like I did. There might be someone else out there that might be able to help. Um, so yeah, we had Christmas dinner and then I messaged her and I said, yeah, I'm gonna do it. And then I went down and had some meeting with some producers and then yeah, I, my, my, yeah, my ass nearly fell out. You know, <laughs> started thinking fun time. shit. Yeah, yeah. It's, all, it's all happening. But I also knew it was a sink or swim moment. You know what I mean? Where I'm like, in a weird way, I, it kind of felt like everything up to that point was leading me up to here, meeting up with Tim again, doing some brilliant, brilliant songs, getting my confidence back on the road, working with a band again, um, being known on, on the circuit again. Uh, my family just falling completely back in love with me again. It kind of just felt like, okay, well, what are you gonna do then? You gonna you gonna play it safe or you gonna you gonna make some shit happen? Uh, and and I did, I did. Goosebumps, man. Goosebumps. Yeah. Flipping hell. But it was it was it was it was intense. It was crazy. The actual audition that people saw in May was actually filmed in January. So probably about three weeks after <laughs> I decided to do it, or I got the call. I was actually in in front of the judges to uh to, to to audition so there wasn't much time to prepare myself oh, okay. at all i didn't have a wardrobe i wore some broken jacket and some tie and i think I'm, i was able to afford a new shirt because christmas had come and gone and i got kids and grandkids so they took all my money but um but it was it was yeah if you if you watch the audition it was just a release it was a relief 
and it was like, fuck, you stepped up, son. No matter what happens now, I'm actually on this stage. I think I say that. I'm like, this is a big deal, me being here. I think if you watch the clip, and it was, and it's like, I'm doing, this moment is actually for me, just, just, this is like, yeah, good. Compared to eight years ago, when you, you'd walk swiftly past the front door to, to step up and do this in front of an audience, knowing that this is going to be on TV, knowing that you've already had success, knowing that that could work against you, knowing that you could be criticised, you could get four X's and get sent home and this could be over forever. Just knowing all that, but you're, s you're still here. You're, st you're still here. So that, that moment was for me. And then what came after... Yeah, it seemed I was able to help people as well, so that was another bonus. Did it feel like a release once once you'd you'd done the audition, um, and the moment you know the amazing moment happened? Did you feel like, you know, did you feel like the process was therapeutic? Oh, for sure, it was. It was for all of us. Um, and my missus was there all, all the way through. She made she made the decision for me. If she if she thought I wasn't ready. And I wasn't, it was going to be too much for me. I, I would have probably went with that, but she knew it was the right time. So she was there all the way through, uh, as was my, my, the rest of my family. So yeah, it felt, it felt okay. It, you know, of course it was, it was, it was ridiculously nerve wracking, but it, I was okay. It felt like I was, it was going to be all right either way, mm. whether I, whether I, I, I was successful or, or, or fail, whatever. But the fact that I put myself up there kind of felt like a success in itself. Did, did, the, did the producers talk to you about you open, you know, telling your story, your, your backstory? Or did mm. they want you to talk about that? Or did you say, I want to talk about that? It was a bit of both, really. You know the, what these shows are like. They love a story. They love a bit of a sob story. They love to clench at our heartstrings. That's, that's what makes it. And I think the fact that I had a story and I was... And I told them from the off that I'm okay. I'm up for talking about it. Um, that was, uh, yeah, there were loads of interviews uh, prior to the actual audition. The actual day of the audition, there was mostly, I did about six different interviews in different parts of the building talking about my mental illness and my history and, and that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, I was well up for talking about it. And, uh, and yeah, it was a relief and a release. Uh, it was a happy one. Was there a, like support from the production team for you? For example, you know, from where you've come from, you've reached a point where you're ready to talk about it and put your story out there. But then at the same time, knowing that this is going out to millions of people, there's, you know, there's a lot of pressure in itself. What, what was the support like there for you? Were there people you could talk to? Did anyone ever, I'm not saying like, you know, pull yourself aside, are you okay? But... Was there support for you if you needed it? Yeah, there really was, and that was that was the th the other thing that really surprised me about this this machine, this BGT machine. The fact that everyone was so supportive, and it kind of felt that we all had the same goal in mind, which was to make a really good show and not put anyone under unnecessary pressure or at risk or in danger in any way. It really felt as though we all wanted this to be good for, for everyone. So that's from the producers, the researchers. And yeah, they had trained uh, uh, counsellors and psychotherapists who, who were, were, were on call and would come up to me on regular occasions and text me and make sure I was all right with, with what went down and, and what was going on. So, um, so yeah, I felt, I felt safe. You know, everyone had their job to do, and, and I was surprised by that fact because you go into these things not knowing what to expect, and you kind of, I went in there with a heavy cloak on of protection, you know, thinking that I don't know who you are, I don't know what you want from me, I don't know, you don't care about me, and la, 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 la and all the rest of it, really quite defensive. Not not obviously, but in my head thinking, right, you're not going to trip me up, you're going to, I've got to be careful this, and I've got to la, 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 la. But no, everyone was really welcoming and really warm uh, and really understanding and, and very, very supportive, which made the process a lot easier um, to, to, to deal with. So at Man Up, we like to, um, we like to try and come up with some um, answers and, and, and some, some ways forward. So tell us what really works for you. What really helps, what, what helps you get through the bad times um, and what has helped you 
since um you know since you gave up drink what's helped you sort of really get through it because i know you, you, like everyone get, has relapses everyone has bad days i know i mean because you're very honest and i've i've seen you put up videos of yourself like having you know not feeling good and stuff like that but what 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 really helps what helps you um what helps okay so just practical things like getting out uh going to the gym if just going for a walk just 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 getting out just trying to sometimes i i can find myself lying down for an hour and a half and if i really if i recognize that my thought process isn't is i mean like hour and a half in bed you know just prepping myself for the day you know we're all businessmen and we've all got things to do so you kind of psych yourself like what have i got to do here what have i got to do but sometimes uh, you know i'll i'll, I'll fall into a, to a negative pattern and if i find myself uh, doing that i'll I take control. I try and take control of my brain, and I'll, I'll I'll flip the switch, and I'll just physically get up, even if I don't want to. I'll I'll get up. I'll go downstairs. I'll open the front door. I'll just take a look outside, and just take a deep breath. Um, meditation also works really, really, really well. I did it on the bus yesterday on the way home, and sometimes when I do that, even if I just get seven minutes, ten minutes in. Um, I've got this app on my phone. So handy. God, put your headphones on. No one has a clue. Sit on the bloody train. What's the app? What's the app? Tell us. Um, oh, Headspace, I think. Oh, yeah, Headspace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Really yeah. good. Love no that. one needs to know. You can, you got to commute. Your boss has had a go at you or your train's delayed. You're, you've forgotten to pick up, I don't know, the potatoes. Your wife's having yeah. a go at you. Ten minutes, man. Headphones. Close your eyes, open your eyes, breathe deeply. It lasts, you know, it makes you feel good at that time. But also today I woke up, I didn't do that hour and a half thing of slight anxiety. I just felt really calm today. And I felt like that the most of the day. So meditation really, really helps. Gym, something physical, just snapping, just trying to recognize your thought pattern and just, just, interrupting it just stopping it just, right ah, it's not working right get up get up get up get up get up mm -hmm. go down the stairs go out open the door make a phone call just do something do something practical um that that really helps i love that um you know going from you saying that you'd walk past the door you had you know you're a complete recluse now part of your process is actually walking down the stairs doing that thing opening the door it's almost like you're not beating me. Okay, that's that's yeah, it's almost so victorious in what you're doing. I love it. I love I'm it. Oh, brilliant! I didn't I didn't connect the two. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. I might be wrong, but for me, no, yeah, that's yeah. You're right, and it's amazing. You are right because I embrace I I embrace the world out, out there now. I was, I was afraid of it for too damn long, so so now I I, I yeah. I, there's a lot. There's a lot out there. There's a lot. There's a lot of goodness out there. There's a lot of good things out there. There are a lot of good people out there. They don't get the press. They don't get the bloody press. There's a lot of people out there. If you talk about stuff and you're just open and honest there are a lot of people out there that will that will open their arms to you there's a lot of good stuff to be had out there and it's not as big and scary as the media and people will, will have you think man so 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 that's that's it's a, it's a good place out there and you're in a good place now so how, i mean what's let's bring us back let's bring us right up to date how i mean what what are you you know are you are you feeling oh my god i'm so excited I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> no, because I've done it. I've done it. I've just finished an album. I've done it. Oh, I thought you were talking about our podcast. I thought, well, I am. <laughs> <laughs> that's a round of applause. Well done, mate. Thank well you. Done. Of course, I've, that's amazing. I've done, I've done it. 18 years later from when I first got the record deal, 17, 18 years later. But I've done it. And I've done it all by myself with, with help of friends, but financially and being you know the driving force and the coordinator and, and everything I, i've done it and the songs are amazing um so we're just getting that mix at the moment so that's where i'm at at the moment um i'm i'm releasing uh, i don't know when this is going out but i'm releasing a single on the 24th of november on my wife's birthday the cover song that i sang at the audition a change is going to come that's going to be available to stream on Spotify on the 24th of November. We're just finalizing the artwork now. The album's coming out next March. What's just, the album called? 
Oh, I don't know. We don't know yet. I don't know yet. It's a platform, man. It's It's going to be called Open the Door. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, The Open Door. There's your artwork. There there you go. There's your artwork, mate. There's your artwork. I like that. A door just left open, just slightly adjust. Look at that. There we go. Good things happen when we come together, man. <laughs> so, so it's it's a good. I'm looking forward to 2019. I, I, it's 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 been a good year. This has been a great year. It's just it's been so exciting. I've done Dolce and Gabbana's launch party on Lake Como on a boat with Donatella Versace and all these kind of people just just enjoying their life, and I was just singing songs right in front of them. I've done gigs for Towie baby showers and and all that kind of stuff i've been to japan and china and of course i've been on the telly i've met lorraine kelly i've been interviewed by lorraine gosh royalty love a bit life goals life goals life goals (laughs) so uh yeah so so i've and and i've been i'm just having fun Great. Just having fun. Do you know what? Your face, when you're talking about the year, the way your face is lit up, it's amazing. <laughs> it's really nice. Really good to see. Really yeah, nice. good, man. So, 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 so we're, we're coming near to the end now because it's, we're 50 minutes in and, you know, we, we, we don't want to, um, we don't want to drag it on. I've been talking loads, I? I uh, talk, you see, you start me off on all this and I'm just, I He talks on. a lot, doesn't he? He, he does talk talks a lot. lot. I don't get yeah. to talk about myself. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I would. Like I said, we've been so excited to have a guest on and like you know and he said it'll be fun and it's yeah i've really enjoyed it and i think i think people can get a lot from what you said so thank you for your honesty man thank you for being so open it's very important for for men to talk about this sort of thing you know so i mean what would you would you uh what would you say to any man that's listening to this now and and you know what would you say um just just I guess get some help, or what would would you give any advice? I, I yeah, I would I would just say yeah, just just talk, just 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 it's so easy now. If you're listening to this, there'll be there'll be a link, or there'll be someone you can contact. If they contact you and you guys, I'm sure you guys will put a link up and and then some information on on where these guys can go for help. You've got to know that you're not alone, and you've got to know that people understand and they know they've been there. I've been there. Everyone in this room has been there at some point and, and can relate to it. So you're, you're, you're not alone. Just share. Just take that step, man. It's scary. The first step's the scariest, but it gets easier. Nice. Well, on that note, I think we should we should end. I mean, we can't top, top that bit of advice. Come, come, come it's on. been an absolute pleasure to meet you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for sharing. It's Thank, a pleasure, you for man. Thank you for being here me. on Man Up. Um, and as you said, we will give you some... Uh, links for you if you want some help we've got some great links we're going to post up how you can get a hold of us as well contact us for us because oh before we forget yep yep yep. we really do need to thank everybody who has got in contact with us over the last sort of week or so yes because the response has well overwhelming there's been so so many of you and we are trying to get back to everybody and we will get back to everybody because you know, when I say overwhelming, we're still manageable. But <laughs> yeah, not that money. Let's not let's not go ahead, get ahead of ourselves. Ahead of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> we're, not, we're not that popular, fucking hell. <laughs> overwhelming. Oh, yeah, right. it's about but 40 two of people. You. Forty. <laughs> no, ten. That's good. It's good. No, good. no, no. Of course, it's it's definitely. I think we we we've, we've hit a nerve Steps. somewhere. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um. Okay. So let's let's say goodbye because otherwise I'm not gonna. I'll, we're gonna keep. We're gonna drag this ending out forever. We don't want to stop, not do we? Not at all. Thank you so much for joining us man and good luck with the album and uh, we look forward to talking about it further on this lots of love bye bye